All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fuck, Adelics? What's happening? How's everybody doing? Are you okay? Are you? Be honest with me, because I am definitely not okay. I mean, I'm not really bad, but I'm not okay. I've had enough of this shit. I'm done with it. How many times have I said this over the last year? When is the year anniversary of lockdown? Soon, right? Any day now. God damn it, I want a vaccine. Look, today on the show, I talked to Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, you know him from Donnie Darko, Brokeback Mountain, Nightcrawler. He's been doing more stage acting uh, of late, and he's nominated for three Tony Awards this year. Great actor, that kid. Can I call him a kid? I think he's young enough. He's younger than me enough for me to call him a kid. I had no idea what to expect. I never do. I never do. And it turns out he didn't know what to expect out of me either. And it was a nice conversation. He's a nice fella, that Jake Gyllenhaal. Also, I'd like to give you a heads up. I uh, just today, and I'm recording this yesterday, I talked to Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy for an hour. I had Eddie Murphy's face right in front of mine on screen for an hour, and we hashed it out. We did the comic talk thing. We talked about the old days. We talked about doing the stand-up. We talked about prior. We talked about the movies. We talked about being a star. We, t- we did the talk, me and Eddie Murphy, and I got a beautiful big laugh out of him right out of the gate. It's it's interesting with the Zoom and just in general. Actually, that's 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 a good point, Mark. Why don't you talk about it? It's interesting because before the plague, when people would come to my house, which is what was the what was required of them to do the show was to come to my house, this house and the old house is that I'd have that moment where I'd I'd answer the door, I'd get there, if they came with people, I'd get them a soda or water or coffee or tea, let them use the restroom, have a little chit-chat, not too much, but sort of get grounded or get connected in the way the two humans get connected for the five to ten minutes before we get out here and get on the mic. So there's a lot of sort of small talk and, uh, hey, how are you? And uh, what's going on? What was the drive like? Uh, what kind of shoes are those? Where are you at with that thing? Everything all right? A little of that. So there's some ice breakage going on. You ease into the conversation out here. That's how it was in the old days. But now with Zoom, it makes it, it's a little tricky because, you know, I get on and we make sure the tech is working all right. There's a, a few bits of uh, chit chat and as people get set up, but usually you're kind of going in cold. And you don't know what the connection is going to hinge on or whether there's going to be a connection or whether things are going to start cooking or whether things are going to like just be kind of a a trial. All that shit aside, when I'm doing the Zoom, you know, I got to I got to figure out how to get in pretty quick. And I got to be honest with you. It was very rewarding when Eddie Murphy got on and I took I took a shot. At his uh, where he was sitting, and man, big laugh from Eddie, and it was uh, it's exciting. But more than getting the laugh as a comic, which is great, 
it was that, okay, so now we can have this conversation. You know, he knows I can do that. (laughs) I'm not afraid. Uh, I'm a comedian. I made him laugh. And now he's like popped him open. And here we go. Broke the ice. Huh? That's what that's what that's what you use comedy for sometimes. Remember you marginally funny people? Maybe to say a little funny thing. Got a little funny thing to say to break the ice. A little something. Got a little bit you do to break the ice. Do you? But you know what's amazing about this downtime, about this plague time, about, you know, all the fucking, you know, I'm fortunate that I'm not freaking out about money. I'm not freaking out about my health. You know, I'm sad, but some things are in place. But you know what's amazing is that with all, even though I'm working, I'm busy, but uh, I'll tell you, I'm still putting stuff off. I mean, what is it? Almost been a year. I got shit in my house that I need to do and I want to do. You know, minor shit, little things, organizing rooms, going through shit, putting a thing up on the wall, doing doing that thing that needs to be done outside, getting that thing done in the garage, whatever the fuck it is. There's still a bunch of shit that I am putting off. How is that even fucking possible? And then I'm going to get through a year of this and we're going to get back to some semblance of, you know, social engagement of being able to go do things. And I'm going to say, like, God damn it. Why didn't I get that done? Right. Why didn't I get my office fucking set up at my house? Why didn't I get rid of all that shit? Why didn't I get rid of those books? Why didn't I get that switch put in the wall? Why didn't I fucking fix that goddamn thing in the garage? I'm going to get through a year of this and still have shit I haven't done. Why didn't I read all of those books that I have been putting off reading my entire life? Why didn't I fucking learn how to, how to play chess? Why didn't I figure out how to become a baker? Why did I not create a rocket that we could all go up in and travel to outer space together in? Why didn't I cure COVID on my own? Why didn't I make a movie? Why didn't I write that script? How come my novel's not finished? What have I got to show for myself? I have a few pages and a small notebook. I wrote a song. I talked to some talented people. I processed my shit. But I did not learn how to bake a bread. Many people did. There's just some shit I'm still putting off. And then you know what? I'm going to go ahead and beat the shit out of myself for that. You know why? Because that's what I do. That's part of my job. What do you do? I'm a clown and I kick my own ass. You? Why didn't I, why didn't I learn Tai Chi during lockdown? Why, why didn't I read Gravity's Rainbow during lockdown? Why, why didn't I buy new sheets? Why is that light bulb still out for a year? Fucking hell, man. I think I'm getting a kitten. It seems like we're moving towards kittenness for Buster. I'm saying it's for Buster. What if Buster doesn't like it? You know? I mean, Buster's kind of a bruiser. He's kind of a bully, that fucking cat. But I've decided that I should have two cats. Primarily for him to, you know, like... I'm so, I can't tell you, man. Projecting onto pets is, especially now that I'm basically alone in the house, just sitting there looking at them like, what, you sad, buddy? Where you at? You bummed out? 
Are you mad at yourself that you didn't read Gravity's Rainbow during lockdown? Are you pissed off that you you didn't finish that, uh, you know, scratching up that fucking couch? There's time, man. <laughs> are you are you mad that you've you've got a like a profound catnip problem and you're fucking half out of it all the time? Does that bother you? Are you sick? Do you need me to take you in? I have project. I I can't tell you how many times in my life I've taken cats to vets where there's nothing fucking wrong, but what what I think there's. I remember bringing Monkey to the vet once because I decided he wasn't shitting, and I brought him to the emergency vet because I decided it was problematic and he was going to somehow die from not shitting. And I brought him there, and as soon as they got him out of that cage and they put him on a table, he shit all over everything. So I guess taking him to the vet worked. Um, I'm. It cost me probably $200 for him to shit all over the vet. But I've decided that Buster needs a friend, and I'm, I've got one lined up that I think I'm going to call Mingus. Why didn't I get a kitten during lockdown? It might happen. I had dreams about Lynn the other night, uh, and they come and go, but I, I'm trying to uh, relish in them and enjoy them as opposed to wake up sad. It's a challenge, but it is always good to see her. So Jake Gyllenhaal um, is nominated for three Tony Awards this year, one for Best Actor in a Play for his performance in Seawall, A Life, but he's also nominated as the producer of Seawall, A Life, and uh, also Slave Play, which are both up for Best Play. This is what he's doing, aside from starring in films, aside from being a movie star, he's a theatrical producer and stage actor, and I talked to him. And we got to know each other. This is me and Jake Gyllenhaal. My one issue is I'm going to take some very long pauses for dramatic intent and emphasis. And if yeah. you cut those fucking pauses, man. No, man. Because there's going to be it's going to be a whole interview full of long pauses. I just want so please just don't cut them. <laughs> Every answer is going to be an ellipses filled thing for you. Just just, just wait. Okay. You're going to be able to take a nap through most of it. So okay. just this is going to be cruise control for you, Mark. Yeah. Well, let me get comfortable. I got a pillow. <laughs> I, get, <laughs> I just. Uh, you know, look, man, if you uh, if you want to, you, you can edit this later. You know, let us know if the pauses weren't long enough, if you want Brendan to lengthen a pause. You know, we I was talking to uh, Jody Foster about, you know, Fincher. I talked to him for like two hours and uh, and like an hour or two after he talked to me, he's like, yeah, it wasn't good enough. I, you know, maybe don't put it out <laughs> like uh, I feel like I could do better. But uh, <laughs> I swear to God, man. So. <laughs> I'm sitting on this fucking Fincher interview with the assumption that someday we'll continue the conversation, and that was years ago. You're not going to continue it. You're going to redo it. I guess right? is that what's going? You're just going to reshoot. You're going to experience the exact same thing all over again. I just shot a movie on film, and we did not have the luxury of takes. Why did you do that? I don't know, man. This guy, <laughs> Look, it was the middle of COVID. Some director wanted me, he really wanted me to do this role. And he had 19 days to shoot a feature and he was oh, shooting wow. on film. So it was oh like, my God. yeah, yeah, I mean, you had to, you had maybe one to three takes. That's it. Well, there is something to that. I will yeah. say there is something to like, to knowing there is a finite amount yeah. with which they can actually record what you've done. And there's like a, I think that that anxiety is, 
I'm saying even anxiety. I, I think it's sort of, it feels, it's exciting. You know, It is. To you got to show up. You got to do it. You know, when you have it in your brain, <laughs> it's like, it's not even on video and you can just do a million. You're sort of like, can we just do that again? Just for me? Thanks. Totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> no problem. I, I, I do think it has, I think, I think the digital age as extraordinary as it is, has, has led to, you know, kind of a, a bit of wandering, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, also like a bit of um, it, it's it's a certain type of productive uh, laziness almost. Like you know you you can just keep trying, you know, even half-assing until you stumble on something. And I think it's sort of fucked up writing too, because I don't know, maybe maybe I'm being a stickler, but the idea of like cutting and pasting, you, you know, no one had that. The like major novels were written with whiteout, you know. Yes, and, and, I mean. My mother is a writer, and I remember being on her typewriter as a child. And one of the things I loved to do was type nonsense and then yeah. white it out. Right, right. That's what I. That's what I did. I would just type a bunch of different letters. Right, and then I would decide to just sort of erase half of them. The white out was the coolest thing on a typewriter for a long oh, time. And it was probably one of those selectrics that had the built-in white out thing. Oh yeah, no, yeah. no. She had the only the best of the best. Yeah. Well, yeah, but that's the it's not that's a weird thing though because like when you think about shooting on film, it's like you've really got to show up all in and ready for work. Like I'm not saying that you don't usually, but there's more at stake, and like the the process of it. And I think that when you wrote and you knew you had to white stuff out, or if you wanted to rewrite a page, you had to rewrite a page. You know, yeah. you were, there was a moment where you, when you realized you had misspelled. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, shit. That was a moment. That was a legit moment. Yeah. Now it's just taken away from you immediately. Yeah. You don't even know you've misspelled. Yeah. There's this false sense of ego while you're writing. You know, you, you write right. and all of a sudden it's autocorrect. And and then when it really comes down to, I don't even know if I I know how to handwrite anymore. I don't know if I know how to, like, <laughs> I'm having trouble with words. I could not fucking figure out how to sp- uh, spell sociable the other day. Like, I really could not figure it out. I didn't it's understand. So- sociable, right? Right. Basically. There's no yeah. L in it. And I was no. like, and, I, and it really stumped me. And I felt like, why am I, do I have Alzheimer's or is it just, just a, a product of my time? Well, yes. I mean, I think it's a product of the time. I'm going to tell you that. I'm going to well, diagnose you. you right now. I appreciate yeah. that. Is this a, a medical call? This is good. This, you, you want to, I have some other problems. How, you want to make <laughs> me feel better about some other shit? <laughs> Isn't that sort of what a podcast is about? Yes. It's about making yes. me feel better, Jake. I appreciate you okay. showing up to do this. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> do you have allergies? <laughs> Yes. Are they fucking with you now? Uh, Not really. Why? Do I sound stuffy? No, I think I have allergies, but I haven't oh. been diagnosed. I was looking for a little diagnosis oh, oh. again. Yeah, no, I'm, def- I'm definitely allergic to dust. Oh, dust, but not like and, uh, seasonal? And cats. Cats? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seasonal too. Yes, uh, yes. I have, it, that, it's, it, my grandfather was asthmatic and had a lot of allergies. I think I've, I'm not asthmatic, but I definitely have. Is that a genetic thing? Yeah, I think it is? so. It is. I also believe it's epigenetic. We could get into that. Okay. Wait, epigenetic means learned? You learned your allergies? What is epigenetic? Sort of. Sort of. I don't, don't, please. <laughs> Just, <laughs> this is where, this is where it really goes off the rails. But I, I <laughs> it's, it is, yeah. it is sort of that, uh, I believe, I guess I should say that you can have allergies and I think you can sort of get through them maybe. But I, I'm not a really, I, I haven't yet gotten through mine. You know, oh. like I, I think they, they're resolvable through oh. through sort of- Focus. Maybe maybe analysis. <laughs> Meditation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Mindfulness. <laughs> yes. Yeah, some of them. Like- um, No, they go away. The guy we, that was just on, my producer, Brendan, he had a peanut allergy all his life. 
and it went and away. Gone. Yeah, and we were producing radio back in the day when it happened, and we would do a segment of him eating things with peanuts in it for the first time in his life. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> It's the best thing in the world. And did he, does he enjoy peanuts now? Yeah, or, or I mean, did, I think so. How could you not? Well, you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe you're, you're allergic to it and then you taste it and you don't like it. I don't know. I think he had a Never. good time. I think, I, I mean, he could, maybe he'll message <laughs> me and we'll, we'll get confirmation. But can you imagine eating a Snickers bar for the first time as Oof. an adult? Oh my, oh, my God. It's the best thing in the world. I know. But it's not as good as when you had it when you were a kid. There's no... I guess so. My mom was kind of weird about sweets, so... It, Same with mine. He, oh, he, Brendan just says, he, he texted me, love peanuts. I eat peanut butter every day, every day with a vengeance. So, I want to talk to Brendan about that. But about anyway, peanuts? we can, can yeah, yeah, that's maybe. in our second version of this, but this is the second yeah, when, when you tell me I can't run this one and you'd rather have Brendan involved with the next one. <laughs> you can't run this one, Mark. Are you in it? What is that? Is that a real home that you're in? It doesn't seem there was much decor there. <laughs> I'm staying in a home. I'm staying in a home. I'm. I'm right now. I'm. I'm. I'm filming a movie. Actually. Um, oh really? So this is not my. This is not my home. Oh, you're doing it with the COVID protocols. Zone one, zone two, mask up. It's intense, a, right? Zone A, zone B. Yeah, yeah zone A, zone you know. B. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but it gets a little sloppy after a while, doesn't it? You're like, is it? We doing it or are we not doing it? <laughs> We're, I mean, mask, it's weird. Mask on. As an, as an actor in it, it does yeah. get confusing. You know, mm -hmm. it depends on also the process. Like if you're if you're in it and you have your um, you have your mask off, and then there's a little space between takes. It's it's very hard. It's, I've been having difficulty because my my wardrobe, and this is not like some fantasy world I'm in. It has no pockets. Normally, you just take your mask off, you put it in your pocket, oh, right. you do yeah. the scene, you take it back right. on, you put it back, you take it out of your pocket. Yeah, you right. Yeah. But I have no pockets, so right. I've just been finding places to put, put the it. mask. Like, yeah, because I don't want to waste masks. You know, you, I mean, you just stash uh, you know, them, you know, with your sides. You know, put it. <laughs> Don't no, but then that's lit. That's you're like you're, you. You could li you're you're littering. I, it's I wouldn't be able to keep track. You know where your sides yeah. go. I, I, you I mean, I, well, don't you don't you ever have the mini sides that you just stick in the drawer when you're at the desk? Or you, like, no, I yeah. know my lines top to bottom. Do from you always? To, no, I don't. That's not true. No. <laughs> <laughs> but don't do you use the big sides or the mini sides? You gotta use the mini sides, right? I'm I am actually I have terrible eyesight. Oh, so, so you big sides guy. I'm a big sides guy, and I also find <laughs> I also find they're better when you're in a rough spot to refer to quickly. Yeah. Mini oh, yeah. sides are hard to refer to. You're like, quickly. wait, where are we? What number? What number? Yeah. But it's yeah. also it's like you're searching through little dots. For I know. me, it looks like just little dots. Yeah, yeah, have, yeah. You know, and you got to mark the them up. And then font I, that I can see. And now they're weird with sides too. Like they got they got to be in a bag. They got to be yours. Like I and really I, yeah. That's a, like I, I I like I I'll have my own side. I like to mark my sides, like you know, with the yeah. highlighter. I still do that. You still highlight? I of course I hold on a second. The, there's <laughs> yeah. this one. Uh, oh, hold on a second. Oh wow! This Multi is yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> what do you, do you I, use all different colors on one script? Well, I found these ones, and what I found really great about them, I do use different colors. But I, what I thought was. Really, this is it's obviously a podcast, so no one yeah. can hear to see this, but oh, yeah. it's called a clear view, so you can see the word as you. Oh, it's got a little magnifying glass in the actual. No, 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 no. It's just it's just clear. Oh, so I see. So you can see, see the see. words as you highlight There's them. There's yeah. a little lens within the point of the marker. <laughs> yes. What's this movie, man? What have we come to? Is that the um, name of the movie? The movie is, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's called, it's called Ambulance. Yeah. And yeah. you're 
And what? Was it? How do I? Am I? Can I pitch this? I don't know. Um, hey, are you allowed to? Is it? Who's, who's directing it? Sir Michael Bay. Oh, that's that's big. A lot yeah. of action. Is it an action yes. ambulance movie? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's does, a, that, does the ambulance flip and turn many times? Well, it definitely turns. No, but it's not it, a. It's not a movie where the ambulance just goes straight. No, does ever? Is there a chase though? A chase where it rolls? I mean. It we never rolls. Spoil. No, it okay, doesn't right. ever roll. I, I mean, I, well, yeah, I don't want to spoil it. Yeah. There's some big, that's some plot, that's a plot point. But it's called an ambulance, it. so I think it's safe to go ahead and say there's, it's, it involves an ambulance and you. Wait, no, it's called Ambulance, not An Ambulance, which would be an amazing title oh, for something. Ambu- an Ambulance. <laughs> yeah, An Ambulance. <laughs> and you never leave the ambulance. It's just the back of an ambulance. <laughs> it's like a pinter play, but yeah. it's in the back an of ambulance. an ambulance. Yeah, just yelling yeah. men in the back of an ambulance. <laughs> I mean, sort of. It's it's one woman, two guys, and that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the, what it is. Uh, did you ever do any Pinter plays? Never. I've never done a Pinter play. Holy shit, man! Have you seen the Homecoming? No. Oh my god, it's just bile, man. It's just like it is like a full. It's the full spectrum of uh, toxic maleness from another time, and it's English toxic maleness. Well. There are there are many playwrights like uh, that you could go through and and claim that sure but Pinter definitely yeah does and what, his, that, has his share. You're this like you are now nominated in a couple different categories for theater. You're like a you're like a bona fide theater guy now, for real. Uh, are you the you get to like you get to claim that you get to? I'm going to say that, it right now. I, I'm probably going to say it again and again when I introduce you. Bona fide theater guy. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> no, but I mean, you're pre- you're up for producing and you're up for acting. I mean, and the thing that you produced was like some real kind of provocative, ballsy art that must have taken. I mean, to do slave play and to what was the process of choosing to produce that, getting involved with that because it made a lot of waves and it's so exciting to know that that kind of theater not only is it being done but it was popular. Well, it was simple. I saw it. Off Broadway, yeah, it was extraordinary, and you know, I think my my producing partner and I, her name's Reva Marker. We just, you know, one of the things that I feel is like theater is my love. It has been since I was a little kid, and it it you know I not only I mean I you can talk to pretty much any actor, yeah, who even as a child was at first was performing on the stage, you know, yeah. So is that what you were you you started on stage? Not professionally, I didn't, but yes, I mean, like children's all, theater. Yeah, I was doing everything I was doing had when I was a kid was like how <laughs> I did children's theater. Yes, here in L.A., where'd you grow up? I grew up in Los Angeles. Yeah. And there was like a a, a children's theater because I've talked to a lot of actors that did that. I mean that you know some children's theaters were really kind of like the real deal. I mean you you worked, you learned, you did things. I mean, I don't know why, but I I grew up. I was always sort of taught by my family and whatever it was that you chose to do, it, it had to have sort of a craft. Yeah. You know? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Surprise. You were, you were taught that, like, because your your dad was a what a director, right? A director. My mother was is a writer, and um, so they were big on like learning the thing. Well, I think I think most of all they were just my mother in particular. Both of them were yeah. just education of any kind was very important. You know? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. You know, knowing the history of whatever it was you were doing, and um, 
learning from the classics and knowing what came before you, you know? Really? So that, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that, that to me was that, that, that was always, that was always sort of part of it for us. Um, but when you grew up though, you thought about the stage more than you thought about, you know, film. Cause I mean, you were doing both, I guess you did film pretty early. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how, how much I was thinking about the medium. Right. Yeah. yeah <laughs> at a yeah, certain yeah. age. You, you, know? you weren't like at but, seven, you weren't saying like, I just want to do theater. <laughs> like gratefully, I wasn't one of those kids. Yes. But I, but I, I just knew I had, it gave me so much joy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, yeah. and I also knew like I, I sort of, I was super stimulated by the the thrill and the, the intensity of it. Yeah. You oh, know, yeah. Of an audience. The, the like a live audience. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, it, and it didn't, though it made me nervous, it did, it, it also, it was something else. It's sort of something inexplicable. I can't figure, I, even to this day, I can't really explain. You know, it is such a crazy craft. I mean, you know, to 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 somehow enjoy being in a spotlight where you can see nothing, you know, yeah. and sort, sort of see the other act you're working with. Right. And like, and have an audience responding this in this blackness, like yeah. where you can't even, you know, that, that sort of thing is an, very it's it's not for the faint of heart and it's a very odd process it's just so strange then to actually enjoy something like that it, it makes you a very odd person you know? uh, yeah well it's so heightened you know that whole sort of being on stage with other actors and and well yeah i mean i guess it is I, most people it scares the shit out of but you can also see just in the way you explained it how it would be completely addicting and and in in enchanting like if you've got the thing for it then you know why why would you ever want to stop doing that well, it's I, I, in, interpreting something great. I yeah. don't think there's anything better. I mean, there's you know the only time that I've ever felt oddly comfortable uh, was when I had music underneath me. You know, when I had a downbeat. I did like I remember doing a concert at City Center of um, Sunday in the Park with George. The show that I did, yeah, that we eventually did on Broadway, but. And you know when you're doing this concert center city center, they're they're readings basically where you rehearse for four days and then you and you have the script in front of you sometimes. Yeah, you know half your line. It's one of those nightmare dreams. You know right. half your lines basically. Right, right, right. And you have the script with you. And I remember not being nervous before I went out in front of like five thousand people at city center, and I that made me freak out. Oh really? You know, just sort of being like, I feel comfortable. This is odd. I I don't know what's going on. And how did it go? You shouldn't feel comfortable. It was great. I mean, we took the show to Broadway, so it went well. So that was a, a, a big musical. I mean, musicals are this whole other thing. I, I like musicals. I don't go to a lot of musicals. I've never been in a musical. But anytime there are people singing and dancing, I get moved to tears, even if it's not sad. I, I agree. Just, <laughs> Me too. I don't know why. There's just such output, a human output, vulnerability. Because it's I, it's brave, yeah. It's, yeah. it's brave to be that vulnerable. Yeah, Exactly. We kind of all, I mean, not all of us, but I I'm so desperate to try and be open, even though most of the time, you know, um, I'm a pain, you know, I, yeah. I, I so want to be that when you're sitting in the dark and you're watching somebody be just so vulnerable and open, right. it's just, it's inspiring and it's really moving. And I, I you know, it's also, a com you can feel the community, I don't know how you think about it, but you can feel the community of particularly musical theater. There's this, such a deep support. When I did, uh, when I was in doing, um, that show that I was talking about before, you know, we had so many swings, you know, as, as we moved into like the, the actors who come in and out and on stage, when you're doing a play yeah. with no music, right. we, you have understudies, but very rarely do they come out. You yeah. Know? Right. 
when you're doing a Broadway musical, people are interchanging parts constantly. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, because there are other factors. There's like, there's voice, there's dance, someone's yeah. injured, something happens, you know. And so there, the, the, the level of skill it takes, you know, people know three or four parts at a time where they're playing one other part. And then one night someone comes in and they're playing the other part. You know, and someone else has moved in for them. And right before the show, everyone is so loving and supportive of the people who are coming in to play these parts. Yeah. They are just buoyed up by the cast. I I didn't experience that as much in plays. Like, straight actors don't have the same kind of, like, just full-hearted, like, I'm going to give you everything tonight because music does something to people. Yeah, because it's uh, the 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 collaboration is literally you're singing at the same time. You're engaged in yeah. the same piece of music. Where unless yeah. you can look at a whole play as a singular piece, I think most actors in plays, depending on what their character is, are kind of selfish animals, you know. And you're just looking for that that you you just want to be present for the other people, the the other actors in their in your moments. But I would imagine with singing, it's sort of like we're singing. You know, there's none of yes. that. You know, you're we're obviously. <laughs> we're present we're but i think silence has a lot to do with it too with you know musicals with well what you notice i feel like when you do a play is that you can hear the audience so much more clearly you can hear when a cell phone goes off yeah. you can hear when somebody's doing something when the you're coughing doing a guy musical oh yeah when you're doing a musical you can't hear any of that stuff like oh, yeah. unless there's a uh, there's a sort of like a an ebb in the music right you can't hear any of that sound that stuff yeah so, so there, there's a sense of when an understudy comes on to play a role in a moment, and when I've had to cover something for someone, there's this silence is never ending. There's no music on either side. It's just you with lines you kind of know, you know. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I don't know. I and I guess other people would be more scared of a downbeat and music playing and a 22 piece orchestra behind them. But I think the silence is actually more yeah. terrifying. No, silence is horrible. Especially it's if you, you don't. and your brain. Oh yeah, and in that moment where you're like, I can fuck up. I can, where you just want to disappear or cry. You're. <laughs> yeah, but then if you cry, everyone's like, Oh, that was so, amazing. I know it know? wasn't yeah. in the play and had nothing to do what with anything, cho- but you really. <laughs> what a choice. <laughs> what a choice. Yeah. What a choice. Yeah. Uh, thank like, you. <laughs> thank you. It's, yeah, it was a choice because I didn't know what the lines were, and I was truly sad in that moment. So. So that's interesting to me that you find you think uh, of theater as being you know sort of part of your DNA from when you were a kid. So when you're put in a position to be able to produce things, uh, you know you you connect with it directly like that. Well, yeah, the the, the company that I that I started, um, I guess it's like I don't uh, six or seven years ago now. We started to produce the things that I was in. Mm. It was just such a wonderful process, and so then we started thinking, well, let's find artists that we love and want to support and and try and bring their stories to the stage and then bring those stories if they're already on the stage to a larger audience and that was really the goal with slave play was this there was this incredible piece of work it was challenging it was provocative and i thought you know when i finally met with jeremy o'harris who wrote it Mm -hmm. you know his his goal was to bring a story like that to a larger audience and to do it in a way that was authentic and his own. And, you know, the way I look at theater, particularly Broadway, is there's a kind of, I don't know, there's, 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 there's a way in which it's always been done. And that's beautiful, but 
we're a much younger company. We're, we're pretty ambitious and we just wanted to break it open. Yeah. You know, you have a certain number of theaters. There's a set schedule all the time. You know, the same kind of five or six producers are putting things in yeah. at different times. And I was just thinking, let, I'd love to mix it up and be a part of things that do. And when I saw Slate Play, I said, maybe we can help them. And Jeremy was like, I would love that. You know, it just went along with the spirit of his show to have a, a younger group of producers, you know, bring it there. So that was Slate Play. And I just, it just shocked me and hit me in in a way that I, I want theater to do. I mean, I remember walking out of the show for the first time and thinking, this is why I go to the theater. And I haven't felt that in a long time. This one sounds like one of those things where, you know, there's, Provocative is one thing, but something that kind of pushes buttons to the point of being controversial is not something you necessarily see on Broadway. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you're dealing with race, you're dealing with sex, you're dealing with relationships. and All in one. The thing for me about, right, yeah. well, when you're dealing with, you know, I remember when I saw Fun Home, for instance. Do you see Fun no. Home? The shows. I remember when I saw Fun yeah. Home at the Public Theater, which is an incredible musical. And I remember not knowing anything about actually Alison Bechtold's based on a graphic novel. And I remember I didn't I didn't really know her work at yeah. the time. And I walked in the public theater and I saw this piece. And it, you know, I I walked in sort of hesitantly. I was alone. I was told to go see it by a friend who said it was wonderful. And I was sort of unsure the first five minutes. And then after the first five minutes, I ended up sort of weeping through the entire show all the way home. Mm. And the show is about a a gay female cartoonist whose father was gay mm. and who never, never came out and ends up killing himself. And she ends up telling a story about her own journey through all those same questions through him. Now, when you hear that, you go, you know, how is that fully relatable to a wider audience? It was all about family yeah, and all about the secrets that we, hold from each other this the fear we have within our families yeah. not just the secrets of sexuality or or or, or whatever it might right. be the the secrets that we just that the, the ones that feel so big yeah to us but would be so small to other people sure. that when you told to someone else they go what the hell what's what's the big deal just 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 tell your dad just you know whatever it might be yeah. and it hit me so deeply in my in my heart and i felt that way about slave play that somehow i i when i when I watched it for the first time, I thought, I have so much to learn. I see the world in a particular way um, b- because of my my position. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it was just, it was, it cracked me open. And yeah, so when you say it's not just provocative, when I say provocative, I mean that. I mean, it, it, it like knocked at my heart and it made me say like, hey, mm. you got a lot of shit wrong here, you know? Right. And also, you're on the right track, you know, yeah. kind of there was a there was a thing about it that I, I wanted other people to feel I, 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 I hoped other people would feel. And, and, and as a producer, I think that when you get that feeling like you do as an actor, where you watch a performance and you're envious, you wish you were in that show. Yeah, you know, right. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's like you, you see the show and you go, I want to be a part of this. How can I be a part of this? I was just lucky enough to get in in a space where I could. And and the one you acted in, Seawall, A Life, I watched a bit of a monologue 
on uh, that uh, guy's radio show. Oh right, oh right, yeah, 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 yeah. On 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 NPR. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean that that show was a long, long journey and one that yeah, I would say it was. I did a show called Constellations, written by Nick Payne, uh-huh. who um, about six years ago, maybe more now. I don't know. Time is time has warped. Um, yeah, it's hard to know. Every like day is I, a week. <clears throat> yeah, I know. <laughs> um, or every week is a day. That's something. Should we get into that? Or sh- uh, anyway, only if you can. So. <laughs> only if it's epigenetic, in terms of yeah, our okay, cool. <laughs> I'm really glad we didn't follow that one. <laughs> <laughs> I closed that door pretty quickly, yeah. thank God. But I, but um, I, Nick is a beautiful playwright. I've done two of his, uh, I've done two of his shows. And while we were doing this other show, I asked him how he came up with the idea of it because Constellations, the show that I did, was about a love story taking different universes, and there were like seventy-five scenes over ninety minutes of a love story between two people. Huh. And I was, and it was ultimately about different universes in which a couple splits up where a couple comes back together after splitting up where she passes away there's a lot a lot happened yeah and he said i i was inspired when my father died about the idea of you know quantum theory and the idea that there are other there are potentially other right universes right and it gave me comfort to think that my father and i existed we do still exist in another un- another universe and so i he said, I wrote this thing that I actually performed and I'll send it to you, which is how I first was inspired to write it. And he sent it to me and it was about his, the, 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 the passing of his father. And it was just the most, one of the most incredible things I've ever read. Mm. And over five years after we finished that show, about every six months, I would ask him, can I just do this in a black box somewhere? Yeah. Can I just perform this thing? Right. And he said, he said, no. Over and over Why? again. Why? Too personal? That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I think, yeah, it just felt like it's not a character. It's like, why would you do yeah. it? It's just me. And then it's me. It's talking about the experience of losing my father. Yeah. And um, and it was a it was cathartic and it was important for me to, to write and express. And he actually performed it at like at the Royal Court upstairs in a small theater, I think three nights he performed it. He just read it from a piece of paper. And that was it. He had he had expunged it and that was done. And I just couldn't stop thinking about it. And then like after a few years, I just came back to him and he finally sort of started thinking about it. And then weirdly this convergence of Tom Sturridge, who's a wonderful actor, he wanted to do this monologue by Simon Stevens, and they have these similar themes. And Simon Stevens and Nick Payne, both of the authors, are very close friends. And so all of a sudden Nick said, oh, maybe, maybe it could work, maybe it could work. And then he started to rewrite it. And he started to rewrite it about the birth of his daughter, uh, who he had just had a year prior, and the death of his father, and how the two of those things sort of came together in his mind at the same time. And we just started working on it and worked on it over a year and worked on it over a year at the public theater really, or six months when we performed at the public theater and then brought to Broadway. And it was just one of these experiences of like talking to people about life and death. Right. Yeah. And it it, it kind of bounces back and forth between the experiences like that monologue that I saw. You did it like 10, 12 minutes 
but that that was yeah but that wasn't a com a compilation that was a chunk of the actual piece right yeah and oddly on on npr in a show like that like feels like someone's doing a piece on npr sure yeah. you know it's like it was like a you know it was like a story being told like yeah it, well, it but, did it did seem like that it, like know, he's just uh yeah who's this guy talking about this thing why does he keep bouncing <laughs> yeah, exactly. back and forth from uh, birth to death yeah it's like the second part of this american life yeah, you exactly. know but <laughs> but but it but in, in in the context of the like the regalness of theater it gave a kind of sacredness to the real like the mon the mundane kind of of I love that of man. what it is where you can take a room like that where you could take one of those giant theaters that was built to house spectacle and make it an intimate space and all the emotions that come with that that's the best that was like I spent a year doing that and the stories that came from people are the reason why we just continued to do it cuz we would go backstage after the show yeah and normally where people go like oh please like a uh, yeah sure I'll take a picture uh-huh. or whatever you know, yeah, I'll sign your playbill. Yeah. You know, there's that exchange. Yeah. It was like, it was a, it was an experience where people would come back and they would just share their stories of relationships with their parents or the loved one, loved ones they've lost, grief. Or, and grief, and but grief, but joy. Sure. I mean, like the, the, all of it together in a space, and it just created this community of people. I, I mean, and then we would have these talkbacks after the show, which you did you know, normally, really, you know, two times a week. We were, we were doing these talkbacks where people would would stay, and huh. and it was like, it was some of the the best times as a performer that I've ever had. Was being able to it it was a, it really in thinking about how we don't have theater right now. Yeah. Um. It was exactly the reason why I do theater, and I never knew it. You never get that kind of interaction, particularly because you're very rarely. Sp- I mean, you do because you do stand up, right. or you. I mean, maybe not as much, but like for me, usually you're just pretending that they're not there. And in this piece, you were speaking directly to them. So the mandate from our director was anything that happens, you roll with. Right, and also like it, it's striking me as you tell me about it that that is. The necessity that is why theater is necessary was, well, you know, if you don't even if you don't have that dialogue or that talk back after the show, the, the sort of intimacy and the, the visceral nature of 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 people performing whatever piece it is, is is it's moving in, in, an, in an essential kind of human connected way. And I don't think, you know, yeah. I think when people talk about theater or the vitality of it or why it's necessary culturally, uh, that is what it is. It's that it's that yes. dialogue. Right. Yes. And I and I think it has become um, elitist and in in Broadway, at Broadway in particular. Well, I think there's an issue with the nature of the amusement park part of it and also the nature of subscribers. It's an it's an old timey thing yes and and the audience is older mm-hmm. um the audience is not always multicultural mm-hmm. you know yeah it is it is a and so i That's think true. expanding that expanding that audience is so important because i think the authors and the people who are coming up the things that they have to say you have to earn the audience in a way that in a lot of ways in movies you don't and i think the authors coming up what they have to say is it's it's just like I right now with it gone, the importance of it yeah. 
of community and being together is, is I could last, it could last for me. I'm lucky. I could, you know, movies have paid my way, you know, yeah. like, but the community of theater is, is life changing. Like I've heard people talk about movies that changed their life. Theater changed my life. And there are shows I see, or I've seen that have changed my life. And also like, I think, isn't it the world of theater, especially in New York, when you really think about it is, is it's, it's a whole community in and of itself. It's, it's, it's small, but people have been in it for a long time. And, you know, there's actors that, you know, almost do theater exclusively. There's certainly people that work in the theaters at all levels that have been doing that for years, that there is a dug in world of theater that is a, a lot warmer and, and a lot more inviting and a lot more sort of grounded in its own community than film. I mean, you know, you do films like, you know, you mm-hmm. see a gaffer and you're like, oh, yeah, dude, you were on that. Hey, man, what's up? But but it seems that more so than not, when I talk to actors about who do movies together, even if you spend a year with these people, you leave and that's it. <laughs> you know, totally. It's done. Totally. You know, you're not you're yeah. not hanging out. And also, I think there's just the nature of the schedule's great. <laughs> with what theater? <laughs> theater, like you know, rehearsals are usually you know what nine ten o'clock yeah. till five. Right. You know, and and uh, and then you, when you're finally in the show, you do the show. You know, you do the show. You 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 get there six seven. Yeah. You maybe you know on Tuesdays and and Saturdays you're doing matinee and an evening performance, but your whole day is taken up, but like the rest of the days you have your day. And then in the evening you have this thing you're doing Yeah, and, and do you have something to look forward to? There's a sort of profound sort of like inconsistency to the schedule of making movies that is like, you know, there's just no, there's no real consistency at oh, all. No, you, you don't know when you're going to be like, we're going to need you today to do the thing with the hat. Yeah. And everybody needs to be there to work, particularly the actors. Right. Everybody needs to be there, even if they're only in a scene or two. If you're there for four scenes, you need to be there every night. You need to be there every night. For at the theater. Yeah, and, and in a movie, they'll call you in. Yeah. They're like, you know. Well, the whole thing about like, you know, just me, you know, being sort of green at it, like in, in trying to appreciate the process. I mean, you've been doing it since you were movie acting. Green? Yeah. You're not green at, at it. Movies? Yeah, I am. I've only done a few. You know, I've you know, I haven't been acting that long. You know, really. I mean, I did Glow. I did my show, but I, I haven't been in that many movies. You know, Je- Jesse Peretz is a good friend. I oh yeah, Jesse Jeffy, Jesse's great. Yeah, Jesse and his cast iron pans and his New York attitude. <laughs> yeah, uh, I love Jesse. Yeah, <laughs> cast iron pans. <laughs> he likes his cast iron, doesn't he? Hey, who doesn't, I man? I love him, yeah. It lasted a long time. Sure, you know? man. You got it. Fetishized cast iron. I'm in and out of that. I do I do, do it. I'm a, <laughs> I have I have a pretty deep relationship with a cast iron right now that I- Well, it's clear. I yeah. mean, you know, you're mocking yeah. it, so it's very clear yes, I, that you, I recently, uh, you care about I it. I recently re-seasoned a cast iron. And put, <laughs> there he is. Yeah, put some- <laughs> there he is. There he is. <laughs> but 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 talking about the- So, you, I mean, you're acting when you're a kid. You're in your parents' movie- did you train to act at some point in any real way? You mean did I go to school for acting or, or like, class or whatever? School? You know, like I mean, did you learn to act at some point outside of just experientially? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, when I was when I was very young, I would go to this place called the Young Actor Space in Studio City. Right. I started sort of. There was never any 
formal training, but I did go to classes. I took classes, but like those kind of classes you take at school and Oh, okay. But I never went to an acting school. Um I have had to learn the sort of more technical things about acting and how to survive as an adult actor. Um as I could, you know, from from people in on on, from on people shoots. picking up books yeah, like picking up books, re- re- reading reading different ideas, sort of getting into the ide- different ideas of acting right. from people who have been to school for acting. Like who? Like who have you worked with where you're sort of like picked up, you know, sort of tricks that... Because I think the question I'm sort of beating around the bush here is, is that there's a tedious element to film and television acting there's a lot of waiting mm. around the takes are quick mm. you know you have to be aware of a lot of things to make the take resonate as best it can and on some level as an actor it seems like if you don't look at it correctly it could be fairly unsatisfying <laughs> well i mean man is it a great job number one sure there's a lot of tedi- there's a lot of tedium that I would prefer not to go Of through. course. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's a given. I'm just saying, like, as an artist, as some guy who I just talked to th- about theater with for a half hour, you know, because I... Sorry about that, but No, no, way. no, I love it. But, like, for <laughs> me, like, I just recently realized that, you know, when you do a scene, when you've got to shoot, when it's action, that, you know, that has to be the thing. You know, you can't sit around bored or, you know, you learn how to use that free time. But the thing of acting in a movie, it's in these pieces and you've got to show up for those pieces. And as an artist, they, they you want them to be satisfying. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a skill. I think it's a right. skill that I'm is not my strongest skill. Mm. Um, I much prefer a, like a long endurance run uh-huh. than I do a sprint. Right. Yeah. You know, and I use that like metaphorically as an as an actor. Like I figuratively speaking, I do. Like I it's very it's a very difficult skill to come in and like kill it in a little space. Right. Um and, and I and I've developed techniques to to try and do that to give a director what they need. And speaking of being on film, you know, it's like the digital part of it has been helpful because you can kind of do a series, right. you know, like that kind of, let's just keep rolling and I'm going to do that same scene again. Can we just go from the, I'm getting the energy up. Can I just start from the beginning again? I'm in it now. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, th- those skills, I've watched so many actors and what they do over the years. I've mimicked them. I've mimicked their behavior before takes. Some of those things have worked for me. Some of them haven't. Some of them gotten me in trouble. Some of them really? haven't. You know, so, yeah. Like you, like- well, yeah, like, you you can watch somebody rile themselves up and they can, you know, they can like get really f- like frustrated or, or, or get like they're in the who moment. You, and they're who do you have in mind up. right now? I remember beautiful work. I mean, there's so, I mean, so many actors, so many <laughs> actors do some crazy shit, man. Like, you know, to get themselves into a scene. Yeah. I, I do remember watching, like being kind of in awe of watching Heath yeah. Ledger, like when we were, you know, and, and how he would he would get himself into a scene, and um, I, you know, I worked at a young age with Dustin Hoffman and Susan Sarandon yeah. and Holly Hunter and all of those out of all the actors you could name, I could see them really putting a lot of whatever it is into getting ready to do it. Well, I remember Dustin. Which movie? I remember. Uh, it's called Moonlight Mile. Okay. I remember Susan telling me. <laughs> I remember Susan telling me. Before you have an emotional scene, you should drink a lot of water because tears really do dehydrate you. 
you yeah. know and these are the things you pick up where like i'll never forget yeah, yeah. you know like i will and it, like i I'll, I'll drink so much water before an emotional scene and people be like, what's wrong with him? Like, I don't, I won't cry. the, I won't cry the whole scene. I'll just drink water. You know, it's just like something that Susan Sarandon told me or, or you in know, case you um, cried, you wanted to be filled up. You wanted to. Yes. Yeah. You need a full tank. Yeah. You need a full tank. But I, I, I think that like I would watch Dustin get physically, like he would, he would get his energy up. Like he would actually get his blood flowing, yeah, which yeah. is something that I didn't even understand at the time. You know, I didn't even get, Oh right, this is this is your instrument, right? Sure. Which is a which is a very typical thing you would learn in right acting class, which you I did do. You know, you do warm up exercise and things like that. But um, that was like I remember him doing sort of push ups and running in place and getting ready before uh, sometimes just a regular scene where he walked through. Mm. You know, having that stuff going through, being your alive, just flowing. Yeah, yeah. You know, those are two good lessons. Yeah, work. You know, yeah. get yourself worked up a little bit and uh, drink and a lot of water. <laughs> a lot of hydrate. Yeah. Well, I. I mean, is there anything else? No, I, no. Present. Be present. I don't know what that means. That's. I think. I think you. It's. 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 I for a long time. I really love the idea when you talk about being present. I love the idea of actually being present to the things that are going on. You know, like you can't. And that was what was cool about the the theater piece that we did in the Seawall Life thing was. Things happened and you have these classic stories of all these wonderful, incredible legends of the theater telling like some woman opening her, you know, butterscotch candy that like they're not going to start until she finishes that rap, you know, like, you know, Patti Lapone, you know, like going (laughs) in and like taking the taking the pack of gum out of the woman's Uh hands, you know, and saying like you're destroying, you know, the sacred space. (laughs) But like what I think is cool is responding to the present of what's happening. Right. You know, yeah. the audience is with you. Sure. Like, even if you're in 17th century France or some shit on stage, stuff's happening out there in the audience and it could be inspiring, you know? Yeah. Even, well, yeah. You, in, in, when you're on a stage, you, you feel, I mean, if you're at all attentive, which I am hyper attentive, you, you feel almost emotionally connected to that crowd. I, I can feel a yeah. crowd e- easily. I mean, I know... When I look outside, like before I do a show at a theater, I'll go onto the theater before the crowd comes in hmm. just to sort of you know, assess the space. But when they come in I, and I'm looking from the backstage, I'm like, I know exactly where the pockets are. I know where there might be resistance. Mm-hmm. I know where, where there's a problem, <laughs> you know. Sometimes I'm... Do you project ever? Do you project Oh, yeah, all the time. On, do you find yourself like oh, yeah. being like... I, I, project, like... I project all the time. That's it's part of my genius is that... <laughs> Is that that like I'll like even when I come in to interview someone like you, I'm like, I'll have decided who you are. And then we just sort oh, of, of course. we'll just sort of battle back from that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't think I didn't know that. I was very present at the top of this interview. <laughs> I, I understand. I understand. I talked to your sister. Did you listen to me talk to your sister? I didn't. Oh, yeah. She's 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 pretty cool. She's very cool. And in and, and like sort of like earnest and kind of like. Yeah, yes. you know, and uh, a little intimidating with the earnest. <laughs> Good. I'm glad she intimidated you. Oh no! How are you? How <laughs> does she not intimidate everybody? It, isn't that so? Well, she's happens to be pretty brilliant. So it's no, like, she's great. Yeah, but yes, she's she is my sister, and she has a really lovely voice. Oh yeah, so great voice. There's like yeah, it's like very soothing and yeah. really uh, smart. Yeah. And it was it was great. It was a great uh, it was a great talk. But this is going good too. Don't you know? Not be intimidated. That's okay. That's okay. I. It's okay. You can have better time. What? With her. I'm cool. No, with her. I, no, I, we didn't. I don't remember laughing a lot. 
and we've had some good laughs. I remember, I remember the intimidation uh, sort of stifled the, the laughter part. I've just had to deal because I have a lot less interesting things to say. I don't know if so that's true. I've just had to use humor as a crutch. I like it. That's basically so. It. Like Thanks. when you talk about Heath preparing, like that char- that character was so repressed, compressed, and sort of smoldering mm-hmm. in a sort of strange, sensitive way. What, what do you remember him doing if we broke back? I remember. Be- I remember really beautiful things about him. Um, telling me early on that, you know, the character was very sensitive to light, hmm. you know, um, and sound that they were just sensitive to those things. Really? And that defined the, the yeah, like the shape of his character from very early He decided on. that or Ang Lee decided that? He, he decided that. He huh. decided on his own. And so, you know, I think this idea of this, I, I, I really reveled in that always, this idea of this sort of, the sort of quote unquote kind of stronger version of the two of them, you know, the sort of typical male version uh-huh. of the, of the, of the sort of opposing kind of ideas that Aang was going for in that movie. Uh-huh. I really have observed so many wonderful actors. It's amazing. That's to me, that to me is what the, like outside of the movies I've done or the things I've been in outside of any of that, it's the ability to be around those people that have, has been so, incredible as i look back on the things that i've done so far i just can't believe the presence i've been in yeah and it's and when you're in it you there i I mean i don't know about you but there are moments where you're in a scene with somebody or if you're lucky enough just to be doing off-camera lines with somebody you respect you like to see work where you can just really take it in it's fucking astounding because it's such a yeah it's such a heightened moment when they go action you know and like the, the way that you know, the silence, all of a sudden, just all of a sudden this thing happens. And and I don't know if anybody can really know it. And in theater, you know, people witness it with you. But when you're doing movies or TV, and sometimes where I'd be working with, uh, you know, Betty Gilpin or, or, or somebody, you mm-hmm. know, like I, I would just be looking at her going like, oh, my God, she's really doing it. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite thing. My God, he's acting. Yeah. He's really doing it. He's saving the world. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's exciting to see it, you know, as a fan or as somebody who wants to be moved. Like, I would find myself in scenes that weren't even sad. Again, it's that human thing, the vulnerability thing. We're like, I'm getting choked up and it's not even called for. So I'm like, I'm fighting back tears and I'm supposed mm. to be doing something funny, but I'm so engaged mm. in the humanness of the situation that, uh, mm. you know, you get overwhelmed. I do think that the best filmmakers are the ones who, who they're all different kinds who are the best, I think, who do incredible work. And like, sometimes you just don't know it's such a weird thing, you know, as an actor too in a film, you just... The thing I've learned from stage so much is that, like I said, I asked if you projected on yeah. the audience because so often you think things suck and like people come off and be like, that was amazing. You know, I know. you, you yeah. have no idea yeah, ever. So I've given up over the years on even thinking anything works. I just do what I can do and hope for the best. I literally close my eyes and throw the dart right. and go like, you know, I've done this for a couple of years. I pretty much know where the bullseye is. If I get it anywhere in and around that, good. I'll be happy. Yeah, and also you don't want to deny people their experience. You know, just because you didn't feel, you know, that totally. it was your night or your scene or your movie. If somebody loves it, you got to let them have that. You know, you don't want to be that guy that's sort of like you were great in that. Like, no, nah, no, sort of. What night you go? You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the way, 
Come on, you have you have to have done that. That's like that's so the like that's such a that's a, that's a classic old stand up. Oh, Seattle, yeah, Seattle. Right. I don't. Well, I mean, you know, there's a, was... you ever heard that joke? There's a there's several angles. I don't know how people tell the joke about the comic. Like you know, he's you know he's in a town where he's doing a week at the comedy club, and uh, you know he's at the mall. Uh, you know, like on the Saturday after the Friday show, just walking around, and some girl. <laughs> Walks up to him and says, "Man, you were great last night. I, you just you were so hot and funny, and I'd really like to hang out with you tonight if you have time." And he goes, "What show? First or second show?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right? That's about sums it up. <laughs> that, that about sums it up. The actor's life. <laughs> I mean, in truth, in truth, yeah. it's like if if only they knew what a narcissist they were telling was. You know, is it narcissism so. or is it just like horrendous insecurity? I mean, I mean, on some level, like you know, it it, it is selfish, but I mean, you know, you do have certain feelings about you know when you felt like you connected. And there is so, you know. Yeah, but those things are just not like I, they just don't matter. You're right. I, I, it just doesn't matter. Like the number of times I've come off of the preview period in theaters, what I love the most. And it's like the number of times I came out of a preview going like we knocked that out. Like that was great. And the director comes back and goes like it was way too slow. <laughs> You know, and you're like, what? Like, but I was indulging every possible feeling. Like, isn't that what it's all about? And they're like, audience was so bored. Oh, no. You're just, please, you're not telling the story, you know? And then you do it the next night. You're like, fine, I'll pace it up. Yeah. And it's like such a sort of like technically well done. Right. In time thing, but not a and the, and the director comes back and is weeping, right. and you go like, "I hate my job. Yeah. This is what is this? Like, there's nothing in it for me, yeah. you know." What you like, you hate your so, job? You succeeded <laughs> at pretending. That is the job. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It's 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 like, won't you just let me indulge? You know, right? But, I, but there is a. Right. I think that there is something that's so humbling and wonderful about that because in the end, story is king. Right, story is king. Right. Like, and and that's the thing that I've learned as best as I can is you service that story, you will bring people joy, you will bring people discovery. And if you can, when you have an opportunity, pick the right authors, because that's really the job. It's like you pick the right author, you pick the right As an actor or a producer. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, yeah, then, then, then you're just sort of, you're in service of that thing. Yeah, that's true. And that's yeah. it. I mean, but it is sort of that. And you better love the music you're singing. Yeah, you know? right. Because, and, and if you don't, um, then, you know, you better be able, you know, you better be supporting a life that you love, you know? Do you feel like you shifted to, like, that there was, like, once you started to really focus, or once you did uh, uh, Sunday in the Park there, was that the thing that opened you up? Had you kind of exhausted yourself with movies at that point i don't think i'll ever be exhausted by movies but i no i think i just hit a point where i asked myself what i really love yeah. and i've always loved and had a i think a skill enough to do musical theater live right and i think that form of storytelling has always been my love right i telling acting through music I think is the strength that it that does bring me joy, but I also think I'm something about being able to communicate through that that way. Um, I've always felt 
but I always felt people told me, oh, you have all these amazing opportunities. Like you can be in film and you know, like why would you, why would you want to do that? You have this blossoming career in movies, like go for it. This is the thing. And I go, yes, you're right. And then, and I felt like I should be embarrassed of that or something. Mm. Like I, I like, oh, you know, and so many people tell me like, oh, I hate musical theater. You know, and and so you go like, oh yeah, yeah, you man. I mean, totally. So yeah. you're almost like, you a, know, like, a, a like closeted musical theater appreciator. Yeah. Oh, 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 are you kidding me? Like appreciator, <laughs> like desperately in love with. Let's just be. I'm gonna be like. So I so I think that at a certain point in my life, yeah. maybe just getting older, yeah. I was like, fuck, it. fuck what everybody else <laughs> yeah. says. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Like this brings me joy. I'm gonna I'm gonna die one day. Like what am I doing? I'm gonna do this. And so I just said. And I also met this incredible person, uh, Janine Tesori, who wrote, happened to write Fun Home as the, the, the composer, as an incredible musical theater composer and composer. Um, and she was like, she, she, they were doing Little Shop of Horrors at, with Ellen Green, the original Audrey, at City Center in New York City. And she was like, will you play Seymour yeah. in that? <laughs> and I was like, absolutely not. You know, like I was, and she was like, she just spent so much time convincing me that I could do it that I finally was like, fuck it. I'm going to do this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and it was the best experience I've ever had. Like, it was so mind-blowing to be on a stage with Ellen Green, who originated a part that, like, no one else can uh-huh. play. You know, she just, she just, she's the OG of OGs. And she, you know, being up there with this incredible cast performing – that was when I was like, you know what? I want to do more of this. You know, let's let's try it. And Janine has been my, you know, my my teacher and my my guide and and guru and friend through so much. She she brought Sunday in the Park of George to me, and and then you know um, we're doing the movie Fun Home, and so well that's good. And you can do the other stuff too. Now you've now you just sort of broadened your heart and uh, and uh, and possibilities of uh, employment. Yeah. <laughs> Both. I like that, that. Yeah, you're right. It's basically about employment. Yes. Well, but I, it just well, opens up a whole new path that you happen to uh, love. It like, doesn't diminish anything. But I, I imagine it, it fills in a gap that wasn't there. It fills in a, a compartment in your soul that wasn't there. I mean, you know, obviously you're great at movies and you, you've done great work. But, you know, having to, the courage to to sort of follow through with the musical thing, despite the judgment that you thought you would come at you just because you love it so much. And then having the opportunity, it must make you feel like a, a whole person as an artist. You know, is that, is that how you felt about getting into movies? And like when you did glow, yeah. I remember watching being like, he's fucking great. Oh, that's nice. Thanks. And, and, and so distinctive. Like when you're in that, the first time you, you show up in that show, it's like, it's like, boom, like you're, and I, I, by the way, that was like, <laughs> if you wrote that out, what I just said, I would sound like a fool, but I'd probably sound like a fool without writing it out. But you were just like, boom, you were there. And I, and I, and do you feel that way about movies? Like, do you feel well, like, like this, you love it? Well, the, this last one was the first time that I, you know, chose to do something that was scary to me. Like, cause I, it's not like I'm getting a lot of roles, but usually if they want me to be in something, it's to be the cranky, neurotic, amped up, whatever, you know, sort of like Sam, Sylvia and glow or whatever. 
But this one, the guy really liked the work I did on my show. He liked the way that I was emotional in my face. And this guy that he wanted me to play was this relatively earnest, somewhat kind of beaten down a bit Texan guy mm. who had been sort of humbled by life, but definitely not neurotic or necessarily self-aware or angry. or And he, so I, was, I had to be Texan. And I told the guy, I said, like, I don't know. You know, you know I don't know about the accent. He's like, we'll work around that. I'm like, and, but then like in my mind, I'm like, but this challenge yourself. You wanted to try to do it, do it. You know, do, do, meet with the dialogue coach, the dialect coach, figure this shit out and just commit. And and then and so I did. And I was very proud that I did. And the guy was happy. I mean, that ultimately, that's all. Like you said, you're servicing this thing and the director is doing this thing. And I needed to show up for work because he only had 19 days. And I'm working with heavies, man. You know, Andrea Riceboro. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. She's the other She's person. Amazing. Like it's me and her. Mostly, but that also is helpful when you have someone that oh you have actors like that. There's also your like yeah I guess yeah right 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 they can they can carry me (laughs) yeah no look but they but they 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 elicit a they elicit a real response or they elicit something that's like that that is you know it's 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 that terrible cliche tennis metaphor but it's true but it's my point being that this was the first time that I felt like you know I showed up with a craft in place with choices, you know, and taking a risk for me and really engaging in the work of acting. It was really the first time that I had the freedom of mind and the lack of fear to feel that. So, yeah, you know. Did you feel like you, like, pushed through your, you know, the accent thing? And the, yeah, you and know, I the... just figured out, a, 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 you know, like, I guess like any actor does, you know, I figured out, well, how do I get into this? How do I get into this guy? You know, what, you know, what can I rely on as a tool to show up for these scenes and to show up emotionally. How do I, you know, you know, the dialect coach had written out some words, you know, a, a little primer of how yeah, to yeah, say yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. So like, you know, I, in my trailer, I just run through those and plant the thing and then let it go. I'm sure I, yeah. I'm sure there's the accent's not perfect, but look, man, I did a little research and I watched some big fucking actors do accents and no one holds it perfectly. Dude. No, <laughs> I mean, and that's the thing is I think it's all in a certain way a kind of performance like even the 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 sort of stringing through of roles you know like a career is that as well and there are people who spend so much time curating that yeah you know just like obsessively picking and and that's become the sort of idea of what a great actor is um of like curating it to the point of like obsession um and i i just think you know, I hope all those people are having fun, you know, because <laughs> you anal because, weirdos. Who <laughs> well, also because it's, it's a great job. Like, I mean, it's a great job in that it's a great job to have fun and to to to, to explore things inside yourself. Right. And those fears. Right. You know? and, and when you connect in a scene, you know what I mean? That was the thing about working with with Andrea is like she's one of these English kind of like, you know, you know, here I am, like, you know, doing everything. You know, I, I'm wide open. You know, and I feel myself getting choked up. And she's like, oh, that was good. You know, was that all right? You know, I, yeah. and I'm like, did you feel that? Were you just fucking with me? You did. You didn't. Didn't you feel that? You had to felt that. Right. You know, I didn't say that to her, but that's what you walk away. It's like, well, I felt it. I don't give a shit. You know, I was there. If she was pretending fine. You know? 
uh, American versus the British. Kind of like that is the age old, the age old. You know, we're just a, we're just this weird mess, and then like they're just so put together and kill it every time. We're just like sloppy. It was just, wild to watch her work, you know, because she was playing this broken down Texan woman, you know, and uh, it, yeah, I mean, it was in Andre, who I, I've I, I've known a bit from. Um, I do, we just kind of became friends because he did my podcast. Like he's he's intense, but but yeah, I mean, I I dug it and it made me want to do more. It made me. It's like going through that first obstacle of 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 taking real risks. You know, initially with with my show Marin, it was basically some version of me, and Sam Sylvia was kind of me with no self awareness. And then you know to 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 continue to to try to get better at it, I, I I'd like to have the opportunity. So so that made it much more engaging to me you know you seem to me it's funny because i don't i didn't know you until now yeah. but like you seem to me actually be so different from the characters that i've seen you play like you actually a very like a very very well it's not your characters aren't kind-hearted because i think like but they but they're like i mean i'm sure you can be a grown yeah. don't get me yeah. wrong i'm sure you oh, can be yeah. but but you don't i mean Br- brendan you don't have to come in right now but i <laughs> I do. <laughs> I'm I'm full grump. He's I'm like, a recovering grump. He's like, he's like, I'm not allergic to peanuts, but I'm fucking allergic to Mark. Um, no, but like, there there is there is something to like. What's really wonderful is like your essence coming out. You know, that's like, new. There are things yeah. that you can explore. That's new. You know that you didn't know. You know, and then also people's assumptions. Like, I did. Like, I mean. It's just so funny over a long period of time playing roles, how people perceive you, yeah. which is just not you, which is also that struggle. It's like you kind of go, I'm not the character that I played in Nightcrawler, right? right? Like um, <laughs> I have – like I have – there are aspects that I understand or that I learned about sure. about myself that are so interesting to me, but I'm not that guy, right? Um, and when – you know, and and, and I think – for a long time, people are like, "Oh, he's really good at that." Right, right. And then when I first started, it was just like, "Oh, he's he's a doormat." You know, he's an emotional doormat. You know, like that. Somebody actually, I, I quote somebody when I say that about me um, early on. And then you do other things, and they just think you're the absolute opposite. I mean, my sister spoke about times where people would say before she did this movie, Secretary, she did, where they were like, "Oh, she's not sexy enough," or something. Right, right. You know? And then after that movie, it was like she's too like. And it's so funny you know, that the just, people that say these things they do nothing. But it's like a it's it's also understanding the that that when you watch something we don't know people, you know, you watch a new act you've never sure. you know nothing about. You you don't you don't know who they are. It then you know other people's stories over time. You're you're watching stories. Stories within stories. Yeah, that's true. But you yeah, but did you know like but I mean I like I just spoke of my small experience at that, but did you seek things that would uh you know be different enough for people to judge you differently every choice you made around jobs around roles i think no i i think i would i kind of would say yes maybe but also you're challenging certain things yes and then you get like oh i've done this thing and then something comes you go oh that'd be kind of fun to do you know yeah yeah, Um, yeah, yeah Uh, that, that people have asked me over the years things like what's the character you've always wanted to play and or is there is there a person in history you've always and i'm like 
no what and i listen to actors great all the great ones let me just yeah. say this all the great ones are like winston churchill you yeah, know yeah. or like you know whatever it is it's like yeah who are, i don't and, want the pressure like, of playing anybody but there are people who are roles they've always wanted to play i'm not that guy i'm like i'm <laughs> yeah. just I, you send it to me i read it i like it i'm gonna i'll try and fit in it you know does the suit fit you know i don't know how you feel in in your life and in the work that you've done I want to do things and it doesn't necessarily have to be acting. Yeah. And more and more it actually isn't acting. What is it? Producing? Uh, Restaurant I work? I think creating more oh. things. Restaurant work, yeah. No, I yeah, I mean, I mean, I do love to cook, yeah. but I, I, um, I, I think we go through different stages in our lives. And I think in those stages in our lives, we all question things that we've done in our work and our job and, and in our, in our life. Uh-huh. And I think I'm sort of at a place where I've had incredible opportunities, um, a ton of luck, and and I just I I think I do want to explore other avenues. That's part of what getting into producing has been for me. That's sort of the step mm. in, you know, and and then I think more and more trying to create myself. You know, I I I I, I love acting. Don't get me wrong, and I. But I have always, ever since I began, loved watching the other actor across from me more than playing the character that I'm playing. Mm. And um, as much as I've loved the characters that I've played, the thing that has fascinated me and that I've been in awe of are the other people across from me, which I'm starting to kind of take into account and starting to understand that maybe it's something else that I want to do more. Maybe it's directing, maybe it's writing something for someone, maybe it's that, but that to me is where I, I, um, I find myself moving. Have you done some of that? Have you done some writing of, uh, stage pieces? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not stage pieces. I, I, I write and, and, am and, uh, more screenplays. I love the, I, I, I love puzzles, you know, and, and I find great joy in the like insular, isolated space that is writing. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's really is yours. Mm-hmm. And having been an actor for so many years, you're coming in at the very end, right? And you're interpreting somebody else's stuff. And there's just something so personal and private about being alone. And it can just suck, and no one's watching. Right. That I just, <laughs> I just love. So it's great. So I mean, it must yeah. be thrilling to be nominated for a Tony for producing. I mean, that's got to be encouraging. It's thrilling being nominated for a Tony for producing and for, for acting. I, uh, you know, that's like a, <laughs> that's, it's just pretty fucking cool. Like of all of the things, uh, that's cool. And I, I'm not really a big sort of awards person. Right. I, but I, that when I, when I heard about that, I was about the acting I was, Tony. I was thrilled. Yeah. Yeah, the acting Tony's just a yeah, thing. Sure, yeah. man, it's great. And so I, I was, I was. It's a community that I love so much, and for so many years have like, like, you know, wanted to be a part of. And not to say that being nominated for something makes you feel like you are, but I think that I finally, over the past few years, have really felt like it's a community that I love and will give to. And that gives back and I know I will have for the rest of my life and I will give back to for the rest of my life. And like the first show I ever saw, I wanted to be up there and a part of it. And just to, I, like, I don't know when Har- we talked about the Harbor story, I was thinking, 
you know, every time before I walk out on stage, yeah. what I think about, if it's in a professional yeah. sense, I think about like when I was in high school or something and I walked out, the feeling is literally no different. Yeah, never. It's just like all those people paid way too much money to come see. Right. It. So like you have such a deep obligation. But that difference between play as a kid yeah. and play when you're doing it professionally, there is yeah. no difference. Yeah, no, it's it's yeah. just like every, yeah, everything converges on this point and it gets real. Yeah. And yeah. and 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 <laughs> that that to me like uh, it will never get old. That's, yeah. It just it will never get old and so yeah, I mean I like also I also also the Harvard moment made me think like it's also great to just be a producer of a show and be sitting there in the audience opening night and be like hey I get to read the reviews and like I didn't have to go sweat and perform up there it's pretty good. Yeah, so um, now you got both of those so. things going. Well, and also well good luck with the movie. I hope you win. It was good talking to you. Nice meeting Thank you. Thank you. Same. It was I, fun. I am a fan of yours. I I I really think you're a wonderful actor. Thanks, man. Um, you're you're not as good as a of a podcast or a radio host, but I think you're a good actor. And <laughs> well, good. And that's just in, keep trying. You know what I mean? That's just a, just keep trying. You know. I will um, in all things. No, but I I really thank you for having me on your show. It's great, man. It was great talking to you. I'll see you around hopefully. Yes, I hope so. Okay, buddy. In person, for fuck's sake. That'd be great. All right. All right, man. Bye. There you go. There you go. Go watch some Jake stuff. We'll see if he wins a Tony. He's, as I said before, he's up for uh, three of them. Best actor in a play and a couple the, a couple production Tonys as well. Seawall, A Life is the play he's uh, up for, for producer and best actor, and also Slave Play, which I'm sorry I missed. Why didn't I learn how to use GarageBand during lockdown, other than just talking into it? So many fucking things. Why? Why why I why didn't I get that rug fixed? Did you realize you can break a rug? You can. Monkey, LaFonda, cat angels everywhere in the rain, in the fucking rain. (laughs) 